everyone, welcome to this week's Ice House podcast. It's Bri Stewart, the community manager, and today I'm with Nick McDonald here in Tauranga. Nice to do a face-to-face conversation. Uh, Nick is the founder and head honcho at Likeable Labs. Uh, really looking forward to unpacking Nick's journey, uh, his business journey, and what Likeable Labs looks like now, because I understand there's a bit of a relaunch, which is I'm excited to sort of dive into. But first of all, Nick, I uh, would love to start with some quick fire questions. All good? Great. Sounds good. Nice. Okay, first one, coffee order. Americano. Nice. Morning or night person? Morning. When are you most relaxed? Uh, when I'm fishing. Mm. When are you reading, or, sorry, what are you reading or listening to right now? Uh, I've just started reading Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. Is it good? Early days, but I've heard good <laughs> things, so that's why I'm reading it. Cool. Were you born with your strengths, or have you developed them? That is a tough one. I'm going to say developed. Mm, cool. First ever job? Uh, KFC delivery driver. Love it. Favourite place in the world? Uh, London is my favourite place in the world. Cool. Great answers. Nice. What's well, a good way to sort of start things off? And now we're going to kick into some of the key questions. This one's nice and open to answer how you how you want. Tell us a bit about yourself. Who is Nick McDonald? Yeah, sure. So I'm um, 42 years old. I'm a father of two boys. Um, married to my wife of oh, about 11 years, I think. But awesome. been together for a lot longer. Um, and yeah, businessman, fisherman. Fishing is probably my key thing I do in my spare time. Not enough of that lately. Um, try to be a good dad, try to be a good husband, try to be a good businessman, try to catch some fish as well. Awesome. Don't have much time for keeping fit. That's another thing I try to do and uh, should be doing more of. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, yeah, a lot of business owners are probably in, this, in a very similar category. Yeah, I'm sure lots of listening going, yeah, I can kind of relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I've had conversations with people at the Ice House recently about trying to do all of those things well. It can be can be a struggle but hey we all we've all got the same struggles mm, yeah completely agree yeah that's one thing I've learned through doing these podcasts um is just uh yeah what we all can relate on and what you know some of the similar challenges and wins that you know doesn't matter what industry we're in um some of the challenges can be the same which is interesting I uh, would love to hear a bit about your career journey what that looks like and then about your business now yeah sure so I'll dial it back so I moved to London when I was 19, so I grew up in Hamilton, moved to London at 19. It was kind of boom time, 99, mm. early 2000s, got the tech boom and then bust, but got jobs easy, mainly worked in finance and did really well. Mm. Made a lot of money just working and worked my way up to some, some half-decent jobs. Um, but during that journey, I started to trade the markets on the side, and I was trading, you know, trading financial markets, trading stocks, foreign exchange, commodities. Um, and I don't know why, but I was good at it. I don't know why. Like, and I use the analogy of if a thousand people picked up a set of golf clubs, there'll be, for the first time, mm-hmm. there'll be one or two people who are annoyingly good. Yeah. And I'm terrible at golf. <laughs> and I'm not that person that's, that's good at that. I'm annoyingly bad. Mm. But at trading the markets, which is similarly difficult, I was good for some reason. I, I can't explain why. Yeah. But that led to me starting to teach people how to trade, That which led to me um, starting a business called Trade with Precision. Mm. Um, and trade with precision we now um, still going that's 16 years later so I started that in around about 06 officially so I quit, I quit working for anyone else in 2004 traded the markets just full time for a few years by 2006 I was teaching people to trade the markets um, and then brokerages and exchanges started saying can you teach our clients how to trade 
the industry itself, like there's a lot of people selling financial freedom and selling mm. bullshit basically. Mm. <laughs> so they have bad reputations, but we had a good reputation. We told the truth. We said trading's hard. It's like any other profession, but if you put the effort in, you, you can get good at it and we'll teach you how to, how to do that. Mm. So we had a good reputation and brokerages and exchanges, big international companies were asking us to teach their clients what we did or, or started off with what I did. So that's now led to yeah, what we call outsourced education. Mm-hmm. And we do webinars, videos, blogs, ebooks, etc. Um, under the name of Trade with Precision. So I've actually got two businesses. Oh, wow. Um, and that's kind of what we do, online content. But if I kind of get to how the Likeable app came out of that, yeah. so from 2006 to 2016, which is about when I did the owner manager program, mm-hmm. um, we'd grown that business into quite a good business. It had grown most of that 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2006, webinars and videos and blogs were quite innovative. And we rocked into these big companies going, hey, you should be doing these things. And they were going, yeah, okay, like, if you can do it, let's do it. Fast forward 10 years to 2016, and we had a lot more competition, a lot more people were doing it. Um, that's when I did the owner manager program. Mm-hmm. And yeah, one of the key things I got out of that was that social media is where my, because we were doing some social media for those clients by that stage, right. but only for finance clients. Yeah. Um, and what I got, well, one of the things I got from OMP was that, hey, your big opportunity is in social media and, and doing this for other companies, not just in the finance space. Um, so now, and you know, made a few acquisitions and there's probably a little bit more to the story that we, we might get into, but um, yeah, made some acquisitions along the way, have grown now another brand, been Likeable Lab, no yeah. S by the way, not Labs, Ooh, Lab. Likeable Lab. Um, and grow a likeable lab into an even bigger business than trade with precision and yeah, we do we're now more than a social media agency we're a digital marketing agency um, and we have clients from all walks of life you know finance being some of our bigger clients but yeah. we have many other big clients that are in completely different spaces mm-hmm. um, and the key thing now is if we understand your business and where your clients hang out then we can normally help you do well online for our digital marketing that's brilliant so interesting I didn't realise you had the two how, how big are your teams in each, in each business? Uh, it's around about 30 together. Yeah. Um, that would be around about 20 on Likeable Lab. Or probably a little bit more than that. Early to mid-20s on Likeable Lab. Mm-hmm. And then Trade with Precision, we have a lot of contractors. So it's kind of mm-hmm. full-time equivalent. It's probably in the region of 30. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of contractors who just have to turn up and present that webinar or write that ebook or present that video. So the, um, you know, we have a team around the world we have to have multiple accents and multiple time zones and we hire those people based on their skill as a trader and presenter um, as compared to anything else so what would your day or week break sorry going a bit off script but breakdown look like for the two balancing the two businesses from your end Mm -hmm. it's interesting because if you asked me this time last year it would have been 99% likable lab Um, but I had a general manager who was based in Australia for Trade with Precision and he actually resigned late last year Mm. so that changed a lot for me in terms of that split Um, he'd been there for about 10 years Wow. Um, he he left to do his MBA and he also left because I was so focused on Likeable Lab um, and he kind of decided time to move on but the great thing is I now have an operations manager for Trade with Precision that's based here in Tauranga which makes a big difference in terms of us getting stuff done and working on it together Um, she's brilliant and yeah probably probably still not spending more than say 10% of my time on Trade with Precision but you know probably in the region of 5 to 15 let's say on on Trade with Precision and and the rest very much on Likeable Lab 
that will change going forward now with borders open because the key mm-hmm. thing I do for TWP or trade with precision is travel, go and see clients, go and see staff internationally, grow mm-hmm. the business internationally. So that'll flip right back to wow. a lot more time spent there soon as I start to travel. I've got my first trip coming up, Sydney, Melbourne, cool. and then I'll have to go to London, Singapore, San Fran, Chicago, all the places I used to go yeah. every year. Just haven't been for a long time. Are you excited about doing that? Yes and no. Yeah. If they're listening, then yes. Um, <laughs> it's just travel is, I did so much of it for so long yeah. that it wasn't really a highlight anymore. I love it. Like I said before, my favourite place is London. So yeah. I love going back there and seeing the team and I lived there for a big chunk of my adult life. Totally. So I do love that. It just feels a little bit like when you haven't been to the gym for a long time and you have to work yourself back up. I haven't yeah. travelled for a long time. So just, just working myself back up. But yeah, I think I'll enjoy it again once I... Mm. once I get out there mm, that's so great I love that what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career in business um, it's okay to make mistakes um, a lot of people go out there trying to be perfect especially early on and I guess I learned quickly in trading financial markets you're never like you're wrong all the time mm. you just got to be right more than you're wrong to be mm. successful and it's not too dissimilar in business you've just got to got to be open enough to admit to your mistakes and learn from your mistakes Um, and I find that even with clients if we make a mistake we fess up we say what we've learned we say what we'll do about it Um, and that's normally fine if you hide from them then they're not such a good thing Um, likewise hiring A players I've got a lot of A players on my team and just the the impact that they have um, is brilliant so as soon as you can afford them one A player is often worth two or three C players, mm. for example. So the sooner you can afford though, you know, afford to hire A players, do so. Have you worked out what an A player is in the hiring process? I don't think I know in the hiring process, no. Yeah. Okay. You get oh you get an idea. Yeah. But yeah, you get a strong inkling and often mm. it's how in demand they are and how much they value themselves as well True. during yeah. that process. But no, I will not say that I get it right every time. Yeah. I will say that I've hired a lot of people now over the you know, 16 years or whatever it is so yeah. you get better and better at it but still make mistakes for sure of course yeah yeah it's so interesting what's been one of your biggest challenges and what did you learn for, from it I think even now I'm probably still going through one of my biggest challenges and that is growth uh, growth and just investing profits I guess like sacrificing profits probably mm-hmm. more than investing them or sacrificing them kind of the same thing uh, in order to grow um, we have gone through many periods on trade with precision and local label we're just growing at a nice steady, a steady mm. organic pace which has been fine but now we're on a mission to grow faster and to grow bigger and to do something and just to put ourselves in a different league in a different category and it does take quite a lot of money to do so you can't keep on churning through the same profits as we were before while reinvesting mm. um, we have to hire ahead we're a service business so we have to hire ahead a lot um, which means even now you know, we're hiring people we don't need but we're hiring them so that we can handle the growth we've got coming otherwise we put too much pressure on, on the current team um, yeah it's a constant constant balancing act getting it right and I know that you know, many OMP listeners have been through bigger growth and, and it's, a, it's a similar thing um, mm-hmm. but we just chose to we're choosing to grow faster now for the first time Mm. Um, and that is both exciting and and challenging at the same time. Mm, totally. How do you, as a founder type personality, how do you deal with the in between of like you know what you want? You know you've you've got that feeling of like oh it's an arms reach sort of 
but you're not quite there yet. Like that internal battle in your mind, I've heard from other business owners, can be hard going. I want to be there, but I'm not there yet. Have you found any practical ways or just ways in general to just be okay with the now? I think I'm okay with it. I mean, I am impatient as well, but also like... One of my favorite quotes is from Tony Robbins, and it's most people overestimate what they can achieve in a year and underestimate what they can achieve in a decade. And like I remember doing actually a Tony Robbins course that was in 2004, just before I quit my job. But at this course, um, he gets you to write down your 10 year goals. And I wrote down these 10 year goals, which at the time I thought were extraordinary. Like if I ever achieved these, I'd be such a big success. <laughs> and then like about eight years later, when I'd moved back to New Zealand, I found that book where I'd written those goals down and I just opened it up and I was like, wow, I read those 10 year goals and they seemed insignificant, they seemed small. Wow. Um, and I think that that little perspective, like if I never found them again, I wouldn't have realized mm-hmm. how how much you can achieve in 10 years. And I encourage my staff, my team to write down 10 year goals because even as a business, we can write down these one year goals and normally you're, you're way overestimate what you can achieve. But if you give yourself a, a 10 or even a five year perspective, um, which I do think I'm better at now. So yes, I'm impatient. Yes, I can see it. Yes, I want to grab it like you described, but yeah. I think I've got a bit better at being happy with, with where I'm at as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, great answer. Nice. What's been a highlight of your business journey? Um, I made a couple of acquisitions so I made a small one actually we used to be because we were trade with precision and then we started doing social media so we really boringly called ourselves social with precision mm. but then I brought a local Tauranga social media agency called Likeable mm. so we rebranded that Likeable after acquiring it rebranded it Likeable Lab because we had to be .com Likeable.com was already taken so LikeableLab.com and that's where the name was born there was a small acquisition, then we made another one of a business called Lead Social in Hamilton, which we've also now um, merged into Likeable Lab. Mm-hmm. So making a couple of acquisitions and, and each one getting bigger has been good, and I will make, well, probably will make more in the future. Right. Um, and But also, you know, real highlight, it's interesting, because we've only just done it, but our rebrand you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. that we've just kind of relaunched or we've rebranded. Um, and that's just more like we were known as a social media agency and the old likable lab website you know, only two weeks ago was mm-hmm. very much you, know, you went there and we looked like a social media agency mm-hmm. now if you go to likablelab.com you should mm-hmm. see these guys are a digital marketing agency we can do your website your video your photography your google ads your all sorts of other things that are not just social mm-hmm. um, so social is still a specialty and it's kind of our, our roots our foundation but we, we do so much more and that rebrand is probably the biggest single project we've done. Um, the Even just getting the values and the purpose and everything aligned with our current team and then the branding and, and the journey we went on with our team to make that us, it's who we are and it reflects where we're going and, and our personality. And that's been, yeah, really exciting. Like I, even when we started, I never thought that a rebrand kind of did that much. It's like, oh, we're growing so fast anyway, who cares how it looks? Mm. But now having been through it and realizing, wow, rebrand just it just makes it us and the teams united and excited um, mm. and I'm more excited than ever about our potential somewhat largely because of that rebrand and how it positions us now so great how long did it take when did you start thinking cool, yeah. it's rebrand time <laughs> um, we decided that when, when we brought Lead Social so we were likable lab and we had an older team and then we brought Lead Social and it was a really young team. Mm. Um, and bringing those two together was more challenging than, than I thought. 
Um, and then, of course, when we went to when we went to actually change the name of Lead Social, some of those people, you know, kind of felt like, oh, yeah, it's just that the oldies over there at Likeable Lab kind of get in their way. Um, and they just had a, 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 an affinity to Lead Social. But the compromise was that we bring, you know, we, we're going to call ourselves Likeable Lab, and that was my brand and the one I started, and I wasn't likely to take someone else's name. Yeah. Um, however, you know, part of that, compromise or, or part of the conversation with all of us was let's rebrand like a let's mm-hmm. create something that we're all really proud of together let's create that together let's do it our, ourselves we've never done a rebrand project to anywhere near that extent we do rebrands but normally smaller ones mm-hmm. um it puts us in a position where we can do bigger ones now because we've done it for ourselves um and i think you know the team's done a brilliant job we've got all the right people creatives and copywriters and um uh, all the experts, website designers, developers, so we can do it all ourselves. But when did it, how long did it take? It took about 10 months, mm-hmm. I think, from the very first concepts where I got, we actually pulled those out recently, when we rebranded, I think last week, but we pulled out the old initial concepts and, and figured it was about 10 months that it took us from start to finish. Of course, we thought it would take a lot less. We thought yeah. it would take four months or so. I think these things take longer anyway and also we've always got clients we have to prioritize so mm-hmm. there was many other client projects that were part of the delay and also just us trying to get better and better and better and, and just make it better also mm-hmm. meant it, it just took longer to get done yeah yeah of course that's interesting and, and it's still not done yeah interesting. like it's launched yeah. but it's not done yeah there's yeah. little things today that i think oh that needs to be better like my email signature hasn't even changed and We've got to get car wraps done. We've got to change signage. We've got yeah. We've got all sorts of things we've got to do. So when I say it's done, it's yeah. the public can see it. Our website is live. Yeah. But even the website's got a big list of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. things it's got to make better. As always, after a first launch, totally yeah. interesting. Very cool. Uh, what's a common myth about your industry that you want to debunk? Um, that's a good question. One that's okay, one I keep on hearing currently is that Facebook is dead. Um, really isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other, I mean, it's still the behemoth, it's still the biggest by far. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not be where some people that are saying that choose to log on and, and spend their time, but there's a good chance that some of the places you are logging on and spending your time, like Messenger or WhatsApp or mm-hmm. Instagram, are owned by Facebook anyway. So true, yeah. Um, yeah Facebook's done an exceptional job of copying, Reel, uh, copying TikTok and bringing Reels onto Instagram. Um, and, you know, and buying and developing other businesses in order to grow and, and now they move into the metaverse I find you know, quite interesting and exciting mm-hmm. um, so Facebook is not dead it's still a good place to be advertising for most businesses yeah. um, another I'd say is just you know, I guess it's a mistake that we see people make so often that is probably more of a social media mistake but they go and invest a lot of money in good content but they don't spend money on ads to distribute that content mm-hmm. to get it in front of the right people so there's the odd exception where content on its own is enough, mm-hmm. but for the most part, especially a service business or a B2B business or even most FMCG businesses, if you're really selling something, um, you need ads as well as content. So you need good content, but then an ad strategy to distribute that content to people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just have content, then that you're just missing an opportunity then you know, to reach a whole lot more people with that content by using ads to, to show that to more people. Mm, yeah, absolutely. That's absolute gold for someone listening in the, in the business world, for sure. Awesome. I'd love to hear when you first heard of the Ice House and about the owner manager program. Yeah, it's funny. I heard um, lots of little snippets. Mm. Like there was, um, 
What's her name with the shoe brand? Is it Catherine Wilson? Yeah, that's right. I heard her public speaking one day at a, an event and she mentioned it. But there's other little things like that where people had just, I just kept on hearing these good things. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine then did the course and he's more of like a trained CEO. And I thought, well, if he's a CEO, then if he says it's good, it's going to be really good. Because CEOs, I guess, what I mean by that is most of us that have done R&P have either brought it or inherited it or founded it and we're more entrepreneurs this guy's like more of a trained CEO and yes. I thought well if he says it's good he's more management trained than most people that do it and yeah. it's going to be really good and he said it was good too and then actually it was Andy Hamilton an old CEO from the Ice House so I think I asked I asked him for a favour one day and he said I'll do that favour for you but enough beating around the bush if I do that favour for you then you come and actually finally commit to doing OMP so awesome. so I did and I think it was 2016 I was thereabouts I was on 40 whatever that is yeah, yeah. Um, nice and yeah, been involved ever since. Done. Oh, actually, another way I've heard, I think I did, because um, I think I was involved with Ice Angels and then Ice Ventures before OMP. Cool. People checking the actual timings on that. I could be slightly, mm. I'm not bad with check, remembering my timings, <laughs> but I made some investments with yeah. Ice Angels and, and Ice Ventures. Mm. And I probably started to hear of the Ice House around there and, and met people like Robbie and Andy yeah. through that, that route as well. Yeah. So I was kind of around yeah. Um, before Andy convinced me to uh, to do it. Awesome, that's so cool. Yeah, it's normally a few touch points um, yeah. with that sort of thing, which is cool. Nice. What changes have you implemented into your business, but also your lifestyle since the owner manager program? Probably not enough into my lifestyle, to be <laughs> honest. Um, that is something I need to focus on now. And actually, it's a cool thing having a younger team. They often push me and encourage me in terms of hey like you know looking after yourself a bit better having a bit more balance yeah cool um but i also love working like there was a time around doing the ice house uh, doing omp that um i was kind of almost semi-retired in terms of i just had trade with precision it was going really well i had a board i had a good gm didn't really semi-retired as and i didn't have to work very hard but i was also so bored i had so much time so much balance but i was so bored So one of the things I realized after doing it was I love the challenge and I need to be doing stuff. I need to be doing it and, and I love it. So I love what I'm doing. Great. But yeah, balance-wise and lifestyle-wise, I probably haven't implemented enough. Um, business-wise, yeah, probably a big thing I learned was around values and purpose and, and getting those really, really clear. Mm-hmm. And we've probably done three different exercises kind of refining, especially through making acquisitions. We've kind of refined rather than just going... Here's our values. It's more like what can we take from yours, and how do we merge those two? So we've um, we've adapted that, um, and but getting those values right and hiring and firing based on values has been been a big thing. Um, one of the things I really learned, yeah, from all the different speakers that came along, and almost all that came and spoke around growing much bigger businesses. One thing they really did have in common was getting the values right, um, getting the values right early. So that's been a biggie. Um, the biggest probably change after doing it was that opportunity I mentioned earlier of, hey, you've got this good business called Trade With Precision and, and at the time, a few social media clients, but mm-hmm. there was this big opportunity in it on social media and it kind of came from even people in the room going, hey, do you reckon you could do that for us? Mm-hmm. And my answer was no, but then it started mm-hmm. to, people were going, why not? Like, yeah, if wow. you're good at that, why just finance companies? Why can't you do that for us too? So we started kind of saying yes, not so much at that OMP course, but soon after. Yeah. Um, like I don't think anyone on that course was a client but mm. if I was saying yes they probably would have been yeah yeah um, so it was just more a case of got yeah, you we, thinking 
Yeah, and then we started like a mate that's got a boat charter. He said, "Can you do it for me?" I said, "Yeah, okay, we'll give it a shot." Mm. Kind of low risk. Yeah, I'll help you out. And then it was a software company, and then um, real estate agents, and then just all sorts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now it's yeah. If we understand the business and understand where your clients hang out, then then we can probably help. Mm, that's a great fit. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Love hearing that. Um, how would you sum up your experience overall? Um, and you've you've been out of um the program as such um uh, for a bit now. Uh, what sort of stuck around with you and, you know, sum up your experience on the Loan Manager program? Yeah, I'm a, unashamedly a, a big fan. I speak at RMPs now, so uh-huh. I've been fortunate enough to get invited back and, and hopefully keep on getting invited for quite some time because I love doing it. Awesome. So I've just spoken at one last week. I'm speaking at two or three more coming up, kind of catching up on the COVID ones that yes, we missed. Yes, that's right, cool. Um, I do OMX each year, which is... Which I think actually not not enough OMP people know about. Like mm-hmm. you should be telling more people about that. OMX is great, and yeah. I'll tell anyone who listens. In fact, I, I often find myself saying, "I promise I'm not on commission." I just <laughs> I just love it. I'm just cool. a big fan, and I tell other OMP people that they should be doing OMX and and getting off it. And yeah, that's a just a great place to rub shoulders with a whole bunch of other people again mm-hmm. in a similar position to talk about your battle scars and your stories and your growth and your challenges. Um, and I find that at OMX there's some of the I don't know if they're the biggest, but some of, they seem like some very big yeah. ice house success stories that go every year. And it's, mm-hmm. if it's good enough for them, then hey, it's good enough for most of us. And you get to rub shoulders with those people and talk to them and get their advice. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan. Um, again, even Ice Ventures, I'm a big fan and, and I've made a number of investments there, which is yeah, another area of the ice house that I'm, that I'm fond of. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of involved from many angles, speaking, doing OMP, going back to OMX, putting my staff on LDP. Yeah. Investing via ventures, just yeah, big fan of uh, of what the ice house does, and find myself telling people often, and again telling people, I promise I'm not on commissions, but <laughs> it sometimes sounds like I am. I'm just I'm just a fan, and I'll tell people that, yeah, I'll tell anyone that asks that it, I am. That's so cool. It's music to our ears, but yeah, you're right. There's so many ways to stay connected in the community, and I feel like you've got multiple touch points of of that connection. Yeah. And then there's some that. Um, you know, haven't found their thing yet. Um, and so OMX is a cool one to highlight, actually, because it's a really great way to keep connected and um, meet other people within within the community and network. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. And it's also good because it tends to be a crew that go back each time. So you kind of get to know a bunch of the people quite yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's other people that are going for the first time, so you always get to meet new people as well. So, yeah, yeah I love it. And there's normally some great places like Queenstown or, or yeah. whatever involved, which is always fun too. Always fun. Nice. Who's one person that's been really influential in your business journey? Yeah, this question's really hard because there's been so many. Yeah. Like if I went back to trade with precision, I'd, I'd have um, a different answer to if I focus now on on Likeable Lab and, and where our biggest growth opportunity is. But there has been so many, you know, both on the payroll, off the payroll, friends, little snippets of advice. Yeah. From an ice house perspective, um, David Irving was like our. He wouldn't even know. I, I doubt he'd know who I am. I actually tried to catch him last week at, at ice house conference and, yeah. and didn't actually get to talk to him. Mm. But um, he was the one who was my mentor, like on OMP on that final session. You know, you have those kind of mentors yeah. that look at your business plan. Yeah. And it was him. It wasn't so much that social media. I think there might have been someone else that kind of or, or a collective thing on OMP that helped me realize that social media slash now digital marketing was my biggest opportunity. Mm-hmm. 
but it was David just one liner of, of advice that was worth all the money for me which was his, well, first he asked the question of why is your business here and if you imagine my hand somewhere in front of me <laughs> and, then, and not up here and then my hand right up higher like, why is your business not there and I had all the excuses in the world but the main one was just because I'm comfortable mm. like I'm, I'm there and I've got a good business and I make enough money and I don't need to make much more and it's a and I don't even have to work that hard um, and he said you don't need the money you need the challenge um, wow. and that was the, the gold that was the money for me because then I went fuck that's it I'm not being greedy I, I'm not, yeah. it's not about making Nick millions of dollars it's about I need the challenge or else I'm bored mm. um, and I was really bored at the time and he just helped me realise you just need the challenge of getting there wow. um, and that was worth all the money for me wow. isn't that so special mm. yeah David's impacted many along the journey you know first of all founding the ice house which is an incredible first step and a leap of faith if you've heard that story um but also yeah the people that he's been able to speak to and, and drop some gold in and then they can carry on and it changes their lives essentially right yeah absolutely it's changed mine and then again there's so many others so kind of yeah saying him from an ice house perspective but that was a big big yeah and put me off in a very different direction than maybe i would have been if not doing that course and not getting that piece of advice and just that realisation of like holy shit he's right yeah. it's like I need the challenge yeah totally it's big yeah here's a good place to start for business owners wanting to improve their digital presence it's it's a big one because I feel like a lot of people um, can get a bit overwhelmed by digital and and just sometimes taking the first step is you know the way that they can get it underway any, any advice there? Yeah, I mean, and also I'll say it's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to, like, there's some, some people come to us and go, hey, I'm getting all this advice around TikTok and all these things and yeah. should I be doing it and am I missing out? And because actually sometimes that business is very traditional. You know, we do visit our customers, we shake their hand, we show them our product, mm. we sell them our product, they need our product. That stuff's not really going digital. Mm. Um, and there's still things like, I don't know, speaking to someone at the ice house last week who sells parts for boats mm-hmm. they still need to go and see the client show them those parts say why they're the best parts yeah and they've already got most of the boat builders and they've got to keep on showing their face and, and showing why they're the best that's just one random example mm-hmm. but um there's many clients that don't necessarily need major digital mm-hmm. most do most do still need a good website most of those even those traditional businesses could yeah. do with still sharing content online sharing case studies online mm-hmm. showing you know using ads to show that good content to your current customers keeping in mind you know just before a competitor comes along and, yeah. and does that um, but having a good website having a good shop front and you know, in your digital space um if you're going to have a you know most businesses do have like a linkedin and a facebook and maybe a tiktok or an instagram um if you're going to have them, they've got to be done well. So you can't just have them and ignore them. If you do, you might as well take them down and yeah, just not so have true. them. Yeah. Um, so you've got to have them. But basically, try and figure out what return on investment is for your business would be my main advice. What is ROI from digital? Like, mm-hmm. what am I actually looking for? Is it the phone to ring? Is it just brand awareness? Is it more customers talking about us? Is it people filling out a lead form? Is it an e-commerce business where we actually want sales off the back of it? Um, but if you can figure out where your clients hang out and if you can really define... Um, you know, who your client is and then we can go yeah we can find that demographic on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or wherever it may be as long as we're confident we can find them and you're confident that you know, you're clear on what return on investment for you actually is then the key thing is cool let's have a go and let's see if you can actually measure that return on investment 
Um, yeah. It should always be about that. And it's so different for different people. Like in the mm-hmm. finance world, our clients do want a lead via something like a demo account or an ebook or a webinar attendee. And then they measure, does that lead go on to become a sale and actually mm-hmm. open an account and actually transact you know, with, with that brokerage? Mm-hmm. Um, but other businesses, they come to us like we've got an FMTG client and all they want is community management. Not all they want. We run ad campaigns and stuff too. But for them community management done really well engaging their customers talking to them having conversations with them you know answering back as the brand you mm-hmm. know that for them is roi um and that they need to do it so that's roi for them others we've got plenty of e-commerce clients where it's a return on ad spend if we're going to spend a dollar we need whatever it is four or five dollars back mm-hmm. some of our clients get a lot more than that back it depends a lot on the industry and the niche um, there's plenty that want leads. There's others that will say, hey, look, we just need social media done really well. And we believe if it's done really well that we will get more business. And that often works for them. Um, but the key thing is, yeah, deciding what return on investment is, where do your clients hang out? Because if we can't find them, yeah. there's no point wasting your time. But if we can find them and you can define ROI, then we can go about creating content for them. In fact, another little pointer there would be create content for your clients that adds value, not not just content that um that you think is good or sales stuff don't sell to them yeah like they don't want to be sold to they want good quality content yeah. and earn the right to sell mm-hmm. yeah brilliant great answer lots there what excites you about the future of your business yeah it excites me that that whole challenge that we're on of we're trying to grow a bigger business like we're breaking through barriers now but there's still smallish barriers in the in the grand scheme of things big for us but mm-hmm. yeah i'm inspired by some of the other businesses i, I meet via the icehouse even and just seeing what they do mm-hmm. um and the barriers that they have broken through so we've put a lot of focus on culture team you know the new branding and, and making the team really feel a part of that new branding right. That excites me a lot in terms of where we're going now as a digital agency. Um, not that I know all of the digital agencies in New Zealand by any stretch, there's so many, but I feel like our ambitions are probably bigger than most. Mm-hmm. I won't say bigger than all, but we've got some big ones. We've got some big growth plans. You know, already our biggest client is Abu Dhabi, New York. We've got a big client in Melbourne. Awesome. And we've already got big international clients. And then we have... Um, yeah, we've got a whole bunch, obviously, in New Zealand as well. Still been the, the lion's share of it, but we've got growth intentions, not just local, international as well. We plan on being the biggest and best in New Zealand first, but we'll, we're already evolving into overseas markets. Um, and yeah, just feel like we've got big growth plans. We've got the structure and the business plan in place now to really be able to execute on that. We've got the team to be able to execute on that. And we've mm-hmm. got some real A players and we're, we're attracting more, which is also exciting. So as we build our brand and as we put out our own good content, um, even interestingly, just even as we rebranded and then put out some video content around the rebrand, like the number of A players now coming to me and knocking on my door mm-hmm. and saying, hey, this is the kind of company I want to work for. Right. That's like super exciting. So yeah. we've got A players on our team and, and people that can execute on that plan and, and there's more knocking on our door. And our plans are big, and um, it's just exciting Mm -hmm. seeing, I know, it's just an exciting journey along the way, and we've built a great culture, it's probably, not probably, it is our biggest asset, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even say it's our people, it's our culture, they make up the people, you know, the people Mm -hmm. make up the culture, but that's our biggest asset by a long shot, and it's something we'll protect fiercely, and and just makes it exciting for the future, because I feel like we've, we've kind of got that right, and the people that are here believe we've got that right, it's always a work in progress, it's never perfect, we've got to maintain that and that takes a lot of effort to maintain and grow and expand and just get even better in terms of culture but it's it's exciting times with the team we've got and the plans we've got 
That's so cool. Lovely. Like, just a great answer and a really great conversation and interview because I know lots of business owners and leaders can draw a lot from that conversation and it's just really exciting to see where you're heading. And even um, being at Ice House Conference last week and chatting to some of your team, uh, Kim and Phil, and having a really good chat about the shift from social to digital agency and just seeing how excited they were around creating content, having that stream of you know video production and photography and just what that meant to them you could see it really just picked them up and gave them a big boost and they love being part of it right so exciting day ahead i can't wait to see it unfold and the impact that you guys are going to have uh sort of nationally and internationally so thanks so much nick for being on the podcast awesome thank you brian great to be here